welcome to the house of the Lord. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord this day. And uh, <clears throat> that song, the two songs that we worshiped with, they are profound. One says, you are the pillar that holds my life. It means if it's not for you, I would crumble. Because this world is very cruel. There are a lot of challenges that we face. A lot of things that are not going our way. And sometimes you are here and you are saying, my last hope is God. If God doesn't come through for me, I don't know what else. I have reached my cul-de-sac. And you feel like the children of Israel, when they were chased by the Egyptians, their enemies behind them, and in front of them was the Red Sea. And on the sides, the two mountains that they could not go anywhere. Their only hope was God. How many of you are here and you say, my only hope is God? Amen. Amen. That's why we are able to say, you are the mighty warrior, great in battle. Amen. Amen. Because there's a lot of, there are a lot of things that are happening here in the world. You can see this world is a cruel world. We hear a lot of murders, a lot of innocent people being killed. Sometimes you find people terminally sick and you feel it's like there's nothing that we can do. How can we help these people? You look at horrific accidents, everything happening as if the devil is out there and He's really in his last lap trying everything to destroy God's creation. But I thank God that when the Bible says, the thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy, Jesus says, but I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. So it doesn't matter what the enemy is trying to do. My Lord has the final say. Can we all say Jesus has the final say? And indeed, he is a mighty warrior. So I want us to start in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. Because as much as bad things are happening and a lot of things are going wrong, the only solution for this world is the church of God, is the people of God. Amen. The church of God, the people of God. So if you are a child of God here, you are the solution that this world needs. Because you've got connection with God. Amen. God can do things through you and I. We are his people. Second Chronicles 7.14, New King James Version, Mr. MJ. I want you to look at this and realize that actually God is waiting for his church to stand up. Amen? Amen? So, today I want to talk about the church, the answer to this world. Amen? Because as much as Jesus is the answer and God is the answer of this world, he does that through his church. Amen? And the scripture that we are going to read here, you will see that God is ready to do whatever we need but he needs his church to stand up. Tell your neighbor, God needs his church. By the way, he is the one who is building his church. 
and is building the church for a reason. Second Chronicles 7.14, Mr. MJ. If my people who are called by my name. Okay, if he says if, it means they may not. If. So, if shows that there is potential there. Okay, if my people uh -huh. who are called by my name. So, God in this world has got his people who are called by his name. It's not just if people. If my people who are called by my name. Are you called by God's name? Amen. Are you a Christian? Because when you say I'm a Christian, you are actually saying I'm called by Christ's name. I am Christian. The anointing of God is upon my life. If my people who are called by my name uh -huh, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I like that condition. You remember we said this is the year of his presence. But then we have to pray and seek his face. Mm -hmm. And turn from their wicked ways. Mm -hmm. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Tell your neighbor God wants to heal our land. But he wants his people to stand up. He wants his people to pray. He wants his people to seek his face. So it means even in our services, our desire should always be we want more of you, Lord. We want more of you in our lives. We want more of you in our churches. So that we can go out there and represent God. <clears throat> and Mr. MJ, during the prayer, during the week, you, you encouraged us with this Isaiah 62, verse 6 to 7 NLT. Let's go there. <clears throat> because... God is indeed waiting on us <clears throat> for him to do what he wants to do here on the earth. He wants to heal our land. He wants to intervene in people's situations. <clears throat> he wants to protect you. <clears throat> he wants to heal you. But may the church of God stand up and take its rightful position in these last days. Read Isaiah 62, 6 to 7, NLT. Oh, Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night. Okay, they will do what? They will pray day and night. So God says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now here he says, I've already posted my people who will pray day and night mm -hmm. continually mm -hmm. take no rest all who all you who pray to the lord okay do i have people who pray to the lord here yes. amen keep on praying god wants your prayer so that he can do what he wants to do here on the earth amen it's not that God could not do things if we were not praying, but he decided he wants to do them as we pray. He is God. So if he says, I want my people to call on me so that I can intervene in this world, you are privileged. 
Because you've got direct access to the mighty God. Mm -hmm. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work. Until he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. So it means God is saying, keep on telling me what you want me to do. Keep on telling me about your situation. Keep on telling me about the situation of your people, about your neighbors, about your relatives, about your friends. Keep on telling me. I want to do it for you. But keep on telling me. Now, the problem with most of us is, if my things are fine, I'm fine. Amen? Have you noticed that sometimes even your prayers, they revolve around you? Huh? Lord, if you can bless me, Lord, if you can protect me, if you can give me more money, me, 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 me. Amen. But you can see here that God doesn't want you only to think about me, 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 me. But it's, I want to do something for my people, for the people of this world. But I need you. You are my ambassador. You are dispatched here for such a time as this. Tell your neighbor, I've been dispatched here for such a time as this. Amen. And if, unfortunately, if we don't realize that, we'll miss out. And whatever God wants to do, he won't be able to use you. I want us to go to the book of Nehemiah. Because as much as I'm saying the church is the answer of this world, we need to look at the state of the church, the state of God's people, and say, is the church in the right position? Is it in its rightful position that God can use his church to heal this land? Nehemiah 1, 1 to 4, Good News Translation, Mr. MJ. Because I want you to look at people who don't only think about themselves. Who don't only say, as long as I'm healed, as long as my needs are met, as long as this, this, as long as I'm protected, I'm fine. They are also concerned about God's church. They are also concerned about God's work. They are also concerned about other people. Because all people are the creation of God. Amen. Even the people that you have written off, God loves them. Amen. And God wants to reach out to them. But we need to be in that rightful position where we don't only say, I've got access to God. There's a reason why I've got access to God is so that I can also help other people. Now, look at Nehemiah 1, 1 to 4, Good News Translation. This is the account of what Nehemiah, sign of Ekalia, accomplished. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year that Artaxerxes was emperor of Persia, I, Nehemiah, was in Susa, the capital city. Okay, so I want you to think of this. Nehemiah was in Susa, the capital city, so he was in a good place. Tell your neighbor he was in a good place. Continue. Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived from Judah with another group, and I asked them about Jerusalem and about the other Jews who had returned from exile in Babylonia. Okay. Do you sometimes ask about other people? 
Do you sometimes ask about how other people are doing, even if you are in, in the capital city? Huh? Or it's fine, as long as I'm in the capital city, I'm sorted. He's, he's asking about those people. He first asks about Jerusalem. Amen. So we could equate Jerusalem in the nowadays to the church of God. Okay? And then about other Jews who had returned from exile. So we need to find out how other people are doing. Okay? Then he asked, mm -hmm. what did they tell him? They told me that those who had survived and were back in their homeland were in great difficulty. Okay. What was happening with those other people? They were in great difficulty. Mm. Do you know that there are some of your neighbors, friends, relatives who are in great difficulty? But then, you are the people. You are the person. Continue. And that the foreigners who lived nearby looked down on them. Okay. So, the, some of our people, some of even our church members... They are in great difficulty that even people of the world look down upon you. And that is not right. Continue. They also told me that the walls of Jerusalem were still broken down. Okay. The church of God is in ruins. Mm -hmm. And that the gates had not been restored since that time they were bent. Mm -hmm. When so, I heard all this. Okay. So... He had all this. He was in the capital city. He had all this. What did he do? I sat down and wept. He was touched. Tell your neighbor he was touched. Continue. For several days, I mourned and I did not eat. Mm -hmm. I prayed to God. Did you see that? So there was a situation. He was in the capital city. He could say, I'm fine. I'm sorted. But when he hears the things that are not going well in the world on other people, he was touched. He wept. He mourned. And he prayed to God. Do you pray? Do you pray as somebody who is seeking for solution to people around you? Beside praying for yourself, do you pray I mean, if I were to ask you here, and I want you to start thinking about people, either people you know, your relatives, your friends, that are in great difficulty. Some of them may be terminally sick. Do you weep for them? Do you pray for them? Some of them being abused, maybe they are little children and they, they are homeless. And even the level of violence that we see in our country, children being killed, innocent children being killed, Innocent women being killed, does it touch you? Does it affect you? So if the church is the answer of this world, the church needs to be compassionate of the world. Jesus himself had compassion for the people. By the way, there is one prophet in the Bible do you know a prophet who was called the weeping prophet? There's even a book called Weeping. Don't you know that? 
lamentations. Do you know what is to lament? Is to weep. So, uh, the book after Jeremiah is called Lamentations, weeping. And if you look at what Jeremiah was weeping about, it was not about himself. He was weeping for Jerusalem. He was weeping for conditions of other people and people around and saying, God, may you intervene. Amen. So, we need to be concerned about God's people, about God's church. Go to Haggai, chapter 2, verse 1 to 9. I want this concern also to be a concern about the church now. The church, the church, the church of God. Haggai, chapter 2, 1 to 9, New King James Version. In the seventh month on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? So it's like the church of God was once in glory. Okay? How do you see it now? For us who are here, I want us to think of the church of the apostles, the early church. And think that as the former church and think of the church now. He says, how do you see it now? In comparison, is it nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. So the Lord wants to restore his church to its former glory. The Bible even says the glory of the latter house will be better than that of the former house. Continue. It says, verse 8. Okay, verse 7. I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with the glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And verse 9, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord. You get that? In other words, the glory of the church even today should be greater than the glory of the early church. God is coming back for a glorious church. So it means you think about what the church did in those days. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. I want you to look at the early church and see what they were like. And compare it with the church now. And say, which one is better? According to God, the glory of the latter house, the latter temple will be better. It will exceed that of the former Acts chapter 2, 41 to 47, Good News Translation. Mr. MJ. So I want us to look at this closely and look at the church. And you can see that when I'm picking these things, we are talking about more than just me, more than just you. It's what is your role to effect a difference in the life of others.
Amen. Hoping that you are safe yourself. Because if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you cannot save others. You can't be a solution because you are also in trouble. You know, in the, in the aeroplane, they give you a very simple uh, advice. They say in the unlikely event of loss of cabin, cabin pressure, <laughs> the, 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 those marks with air will come down. What do you do first before you save others? <laughs> because if you don't start there, and you start there, you're going to die. You start first and make sure you're safe. And then you help the others. Amen. So it means even for every one of us, you cannot start thinking you will help others if you yourself are not safe. So we need to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's the starting point. But once I have Jesus, it doesn't end with me now. Now I can reach out to others. I also know how to call upon God and God will deliver me. I know how to pray and God heals me. I know how to call on God and God answers my prayers. Let's go, Mr. MJ. Many of them believed his message and were baptized. And about 3,000 people were added to the group that day. Okay, I want you to look at that sentence. We're talking about the former church. Tell your neighbor we're talking about the former church. And the church of now should be far better than that one. So how many people believed in one day? 3,000. 3,000 people were added to their group that day. Can you already see what God was doing? Don't you think there are still many, many more souls in the days we're living in? Continue. They spent their time in learning from the apostles. At least. So they spent their time in learning from the apostles. So the early church would always spend time coming to fellowship and learning like you are doing. But some of the people in the church of today, they still miss church doing other things. Instead of spending time learning. Mm -hmm. Taking part in the fellowship. Okay, fellowship. When we come to church, it's not only about seeing the other people or praying or receiving the word, but it's also time of fellowship. Amen? And uh, there's nothing wrong with when the church is finished, you still hang around and fellowship with others. That's fellowship. Amen? Because we don't give you enough time to fellowship now. You see, imagine now if I allow you to be talking with other people and greeting them and doing other things, then you won't hear me. So rather you do that out there. Fellowship. Mm -hmm. And the sharing in the fellowship meals, fellowship, and the prayers. Okay. They were sharing also in meals and praying together. That's the church. Tell your neighbor, that's the church. So I want you to think of that church and compare it with the church today. Sometimes the church today is too mechanistic. Sometimes it's too much material orientated and people are manipulating people. But I want us to look at the church and then say the church today 
Is it in a better position or not? If not, let's weep for the church. Call upon God to restore the glory of his church. Mm -hmm. Many miracles and wonders were being done through the apostles. Okay. Miracles and wonders were being done through the apostles. You remember when Jesus was on the earth? Miracles and wonders were done through Jesus. When he left, the apostles and people of God continued with miracles, signs and wonders. That's the church. So that when people out there don't know what to do, instead of them going to Sangomas and Inyangas, let them run to the church. And let them see the church as the answer, as the solution to the world. Continue. And everyone was filled with awe. So people were surprised. People could see that God is among these people. Continue. All the believers continued together in close fellowship and shared their belongings with one another. So we encourage you to fellowship with one another. Do you know that people of the world are actually very good at fellowshipping with each other? Especially those who drink. Even if the other one doesn't have money to buy, they will share with him. I haven't been there, but I think so. Do they share with him or they say, you, you, you don't buy, stay there? It seems they share. Amen? So why would the church fail to share? If they can share, why can't we share? Because sharing and loving is God's nature. It should actually start with us. That among us, there should not be People who are poor who go to bed without eating anything. That's the church. But if the church becomes a business, then you will have a problem. Because as long as the pastor is well cared for, that's fine. The rest of you can see where to go. But that's not the church as I hear it from God. The church is the solution for this world. Continue. They will sell their property and possessions and distribute the money among all according to what each one needed. Don't they, you think some of you would wish you had lived in that church? The church which cares, man. The church which is concerned about needs of others. They would even sell their belongings and bring money to church and say, we want to share. Continue. Day after day, they met as a group in the temple and they had their meals together in their homes, eating with dead and humble hearts. Mm. They were really fellowshipping these people and they cared for one another. Mm -hmm. Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Mm. And every day, the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. Okay, I want you to think of this church and compare it with the church of today and think of what Haggai, what is written in Haggai. Where the Bible says, think of the former temple, the former house of God and think where it is now. Are you satisfied? If not, you need to pray for the church. You need to pray for the body of Christ. 
And we ourselves need to be exemplary too. Amen? So, but if we don't think of it that way, you will find that the church is not bringing the solution to this world. People are dying. People are in trouble. People are in distress. Nobody cares. But the church is supposed to care. Amen? I want you to go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16 because now what gives me hope is that the church of God is established by Jesus himself. And if God establishes something, if Jesus establishes something, it will not fail. Tell your neighbor, never mind the state of the church. The church of God will not fail. And the church is moving on. Amen. And we are here. We are the remnants of the people that want the will of God to be done here on the earth through us. We are the ambassadors of God's kingdom. And may the revival of God move even from us and start touching people all over. May people start having hope through the church. Amen. I told you that the reason why many people go, I don't think many people go to the world, to the Inyangas, Sangomas, and all those, because they see that as their first choice. I think they probably, some of them would have preferred to come to church if the solutions were there. So the church of God needs to stand up and let's pray for God's church. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's, let's be hungry for more of God. May the glory of God be so much in our churches, like I said, so that even when people come through, let them already feel the healing of God. As you are seated there when the word is still being preached, may you get healed just by hearing the word preached. If you come here broken hearted, feeling down, may you receive the joy of the Lord as the word is being preached. If you came here hopeless, may your hope start rising up again because of the word that is being preached. Matthew 16, 18. We'll do it King James Version and NLT. Let's start with KJV. And I say unto thee, so you will do it NLT, Mr. MJ. I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you see that the church is not about to be wiped off the face of the earth? The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. But who is building his church? Jesus is building his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Read it in NLT, Mr. MJ. Now, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I like that. Firstly, I like it that it's Jesus himself building his church. But I like this second part also. <coughs> that <coughs> all the powers of hell will not conquer the church. Can we all say, all the powers of hell will not conquer the church. 
Now let's make it also for ourselves. All the powers of hell will not conquer me. I'm a child of God. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The devil is under my feet. Amen. Yes. We are more than conquerors. And when Jesus is building his church, he needs you and I. Amen. How many of you know that God is spirit? Jesus is spirit. Even the devil is spirit. Even demons, spirits. And any spirit, for any spirit to operate here on the earth, they need bodies. The Bible says, the earth, the Lord has given the earth to the children of men. It says the heavens belongs to the Lord. But the earth, he has given it to men. He has given it to us. That's why when Adam sold his rights to the devil, God could not stop him. He told him, you shouldn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And Adam decided to still go against what God has said. And then man lost God's glory. And you know what the devil does in the book of Matthew chapter 4. The devil says when he was tempting Jesus, he says, if you can bow to me, I will give you all these kingdoms of the earth and their glories. For it has been handed to me. It was like he didn't deceive the, the, Eve. He says, it was given me. And Jesus didn't say, no, it was not given you. Just said, I won't bow to you. So in essence, because human beings, God needs human beings here on the earth, just as much as the devil needs human beings here on the earth. Do you know people who are hating you? Is the devil who's using them. It is the devil who wants to hurt you, but he can't hurt you himself. He needs some human. He also sometimes delegates some of his demons to use some humans to hurt you. So if the devil can use people to hurt others, don't you think much more God will use people to heal others? Don't you think God much more will use people to, be, to, to, to bless others? The church the solution for this world. But then God needs us. So go to, with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, the Persian translation, TPT. Is it first or second? The one that says we are co-workers with God. 3, 9. Yeah, it's first. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, Mr. MJ, the Passion Translation. Or I can read it if you don't have it. It says, we are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. Can I start there? We are co-workers with who? Tell your neighbor, it's God and sons and daughters' company. 
Most companies you will find Paziri and Sons. Isn't it? With, with those uh, buses and all that. So, it's God and sons and daughters. Amen. Amen. That's our company. And if God is on my side, I've got everything. Amen. So it means your first lot in life is to be associated with God, the Almighty. It says we are co-workers with God. And you are God's cultivated garden. The house is building. So when God is building a house, he needs us. When he is building his church, he needs us. And I want us to look at the church of God in two ways today. You can think of the church of God as the body of Christ, believers. Okay? That's the spiritual, that's the church of God. But also, you can look at building the church of God, physical building. They are both the church of God. Amen. If you don't believe me, go throughout the Bible, you will find how much the temple was talked about, and they were talking about a physical building. Amen. Which means God is also interested in the buildings that we fellowship in. Amen. It's just that that's not the primary thing. The primary thing is God dwelling in us. But if you look even at how the temple was dedicated to God, after Solomon finished building it, he even made prayer. Actually, that scripture that we read in the beginning, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, from verse 14. If you go before that, it was the time when uh, uh, Solomon finished building the temple and he dedicated it to the Lord. And then said, Lord, Prayers that are made in this place, in this building, hear them. And God said, I'm placing my name in that place. Amen. So it means God is interested in his church as the body of Christ, as us believers. But he's also interested in his church as a building. Because that's where we worship him. Imagine we want to worship the Lord and we don't have a building and it's raining on us. God wants us to be comfortable when we listen to him. Amen. Then we will listen without disturbance. So I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We will start it from verse 6 to verse 17 in the NIV. Because I want us to look at the church in two fronts. The church as the body of Christ. We believe us. That's the main thing. But also the church as a building. But let's start with the church as the body of Christ. We believe us. And what we are expected to be here on the earth and what God wants to do through us. Can we all say the church is the solution for this world? Lord, lift your hand and say, Lord, use me for your glory. Amen. Amen. I want God to use me. I want God to use me. If the church is the solution to this world, we usually say Jesus is the answer to this world. But he needs you and I. He wants to touch people, but he needs you and I. That's why even when he wants to heal people, he will say, those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 3, 6 to 17, NIV, Mr. MJ. I planted the seed... 
Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. I want us to start there. So in the church, we've got different responsibilities. Tell your neighbor in the church. We've got different responsibilities. How many of you know that your pastor is not a good musician? Imagine if the pastor starts leading worship and, and singing and all that. Others will say the church will be out. But there are others who excel in that ministry. Amen. And also, as the pastor is ministering, giving the word, you may not give the word the way that the Lord has bestowed this gift upon my life, but you've got a role to play. Each one of us is important in the body of Christ. Tell your neighbor, you are sitting to an important part of the body of Christ. Do you know that's even how members of our bodies, parts of our bodies operate? Okay, can I ask you a question? Since I came here to the fore, which part of my body has been speaking from the beginning, not giving others a chance? <laughs> Do you think the, the eyes are worried? Huh? They are not worried because they can see you and the mouth can't see you. So they keep on telling them, but I'm seeing them. Amen? Do you see how parts of your body are coordinated to work in unison? Don't you think Christ also wants his body to work like that? If we are the body of Christ, why can't I depend on you? Why can't you depend on me? Why can't we need each other? Why should I gossip about you? Imagine the eye talking to the ear now, saying, oh, this mouth, since we started, is the only one who's speaking. No. They all cooperate. And even when I'm here, my legs are working. They're keeping me up. The mouth can make me stand. Amen. It's like, I want to show you this because I want you to look at this church, the church, the body of Christ, and understand the church, understand why Jesus is so jealous about his church and about unity of his church, unity of his people. How many of you know that some people won't go to work if, let's say, that person has got severe headache? or got a severe backache, or whatever illness that's troubling the person. But you don't work with your back. So, but you still don't go to work, because if one part of the body cannot function, the whole body is affected. Amen? So why is it that in the church, the body of Christ, sometimes we rejoice at each other's failures? That's not a good body. Will you want a body like that? Huh? <laughs> Which, when the head is aching and it's in severe pain, the leg says, yes. Every time he's the only one who thinks and who thinks that is important than the rest of us. Let it sort him. Do your legs do that? No. Your whole body feel affected. Because you are one. So it means 
the body of Christ needs to operate as one. Now he says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. So it's like, imagine somebody shares the word of God with you and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And now you come here and I keep on watering that seed. I keep on watering that seed. You might not have gotten born again through the seed that I planted. Somebody might have planted the seed, but I'm watering it. But who gives the increase? Who makes it grow? But God has been making it grow. Amen. So which means God and his children work together. They are co-workers. Amen. Apollo, I planted the seed, Paul says. Apollo's watered, but God is making it grow. Continue. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. I want you to look at this. Do you know that you can plant a seed and it doesn't grow? Hmm? You can water the seed and it still doesn't grow. But don't stop planting, don't stop watering. Do your part. And allow God to do his part to make it grow. Some of you will share the word with people and they even ridicule you. Don't try and convince them. You are not the Holy Spirit. Just speak. Let the Holy Spirit convict them. Amen. You keep on planting the seed. You keep on watering. And may God give the increase because he's working with us. Continue. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to, our, to their own labor. We all have one purpose. We want the church of God to grow. We want the church of God to be healthy. Continue. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Okay, I want to start there to just take that part and then we'll go to verse 13. I want to pick some verses and leave others. So he says, by the grace given me, I laid a foundation. Can I tell you, each of you, if you are a child of God, there is a certain grace upon your life. Tell your neighbor, there is a certain grace upon my life. So let me give you a simple example. You know your pastor. You love him. But the grace upon his life is that of a teacher of the word. When I teach the word, it, it, it comes almost like natural. Why? Because of the grace of God upon me. But there are other things that I don't have the grace for, which you do have. So I need you. You need me. We need each other as the body. So he says, by the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. So I might be laying a foundation because of the grace given upon my life. But I need you. Amen. Can we work together as a body, as a family? Jesus the Savior, church family. And do you know why we also call each other brothers and sisters in Christ? It's because we are a family. Hmm. 
says brother, sister. Yes, God has given us a lot of brothers and sisters. Can you just say God has given me a lot of brothers and sisters? Because it's not only those ones that I was born with. Because sometimes some of you find you were born, maybe you are the only brother or you are the only sister. But look at how much God has given you. Brothers and sisters. And then we even have our mother in the church. You've got your father in the church. How good God is. He gives us another family. Amen. But when you build, this is where the issue of the vision in a church is very important. In this church, we are very strict about following the vision. Because if you look at the book of Revelations, you start from chapter 1 and chapter 2. You will hear the Bible talking about to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Those seven churches, they all were unique. And each church had a specific mission. Okay? So it means even Jesus the Savior Church is unique. She has her mission. And it doesn't have to be a duplicate of the other mission that you know in another church. Not saying that the other church is wrong. The other church is also in its mission. You get that? So now, when you build, verse 13, no, verse, tw verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Tell your neighbor, your work will be tested by fire. In other words, if you, what you are doing, if you are, by the way, it's like sarcastic or, yeah, you really, it's not, you're not even doing it with your heart. Do you think when it's tested by fire, it will come shining like gold? It will just burn like grass. Okay? So it says it will be tested by fire. Continue. 14. What has been built survives. The builder will receive a reward. Okay. Do you see now that whatever you are doing for the Lord, you will be rewarded? Be encouraged. Whatever you are doing for the work of the Lord will be rewarded. Whether it's your prayers... Whether it's what you are doing with your hands, whether it's your gifts, giving in the body of Christ, giving to the church, your tithes, your offerings, your building fund contribution, anything that you are doing in the body, the Lord sees. And he will reward you accordingly. So it says when your work is tested through fire, you will be rewarded if it stands. But continue. If it is bent up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. <laughs> okay, I want you to look at this. As the Lord comes back, there are some who will just, just, just make it. You accepted Jesus is true, but the way you were living, you were just on the edge. You got through, but as if you just escaped through the flames. And there are others whose work would not, 
whose things will not even go through there and you won't even make it. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's game over. Okay? But there are others who won't only go before the Lord and just escape as if you just escaped through fire. You go with the, the, your deeds, man. And, and God says, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. Come and rule over much. And then you get your crown. How many of you know that we are going to get crowns? When the master comes back, we are going to get crowns. We will be crowned for whatever we are doing. It's like in any race. When people are running in a race, they get the medals. So how much more to get a medal from God? Ask your neighbor, how much more to get a medal from God? I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that. I may not get a Comrades Marathon medal, but God will give me my medal. And I come before him and he says, well done, you good and faithful servant. You did not compete with other servants of the Lord. You just did what I called you to do. Well done. Come and rule over much. And some of you are here. You haven't been competing with others. Maybe you were interceding for this church. And people thought that the church is doing well and all that because of the pastor. Why well, is actually your prayers? I once had this story on the crowns as we're going to the book of Romans chapter 12. Go to Romans chapter 12. I want to start winding down. But I heard this story. I think it's just a story. But it's a good story. They say there was in a certain church there was a pastor mightily used of God and there was also this elderly woman who was a prayer warrior. And do you know that most prayer warriors they are even doing work behind the scene. We don't even know what they are doing. We don't even know what you are doing in your night hour. Praying for the pastor. Praying for the service. That when people come here, people will be healed. People will be delivered. People will receive their breakthroughs when the word is spoken. We might not even have seen that, but the Lord sees. So they say, people were coming, getting their medals, getting their crowns. The Bible talks about crowns. We'll get crowns. Now they say that uh, there were two, two crowns left. One big, glorious one, glittering. The other one that was just an ordinary crown. So, and it was the pastor and this old lady left in the queue. Who do you think the, 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 <laughs> the glittering one should go to? To the great man of God. And that's what the pastor was thinking. And when he came there, the Lord takes that glittering, glorious crown, gives it to the old lady. And then the pastor is surprised. Pastor, the pastor says, Lord, that work, that great work, I was the leader of that great work, Lord. The impact that I've made in this world, I think you've made a mistake. That crown should be mine. And the Lord said, this is the lady who was keeping that ministry going through her prayers. So whatever things that you saw happening, whatever miracles and signs and wonders that were happening were because of this lady. And that's why she's the proud recipient of this medal. 
Amen. So it means even in the church now, you don't have to compete with me. I've got my lane. You've got your lane. God will reward you according to what is in your lane. You know the three people that were given uh, talents. The other one was given one. The other one was given two. The other one was given five. And the Bible says each one according to their abilities. And when they went to the Lord when it's time for reckoning, the one who had five, what did he bring more? Five. And the Lord said, well done you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful of a little come and rule over much. The one who had two, what did he bring more? Two. And did he get the same words with the first one? Yes. Well done you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful of a little come and rule over much. The third one who had only one. How many do you think was expected from him? One. And how many did he get? Then trouble came. So even some of you who think that you will reason with God. By the way, do you know that there are people, even when you tell them about accepting Jesus, they think they will reason with God. Hmm? Really? No, don't play. Okay? So that man, he started saying, Master, I knew that you were a cruel master. You want to reap where you did not sow. Do you talk to a master like that? He said, so I took your, what you gave me, I, 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 I hid it, and now here is your things. He said, you wicked and slothful servant. So he doesn't start like others, well done. So you must be careful when we go before the Lord. Some will get words, you wicked and slothful servant. When others are hearing, well done, you good and faithful servant. He said, if you knew that I was a well master, then you should have done something about it. Yes, that actually goes without saying. If you think this guy is a cruel master, you better do things right. That's what the master said. Then he said, no, take the one talent, give it to the one with ten, bind this guy, Throw him out there in the lake of fire where there will be burning and where there is gnashing of teeth. Hell is real. Tell your neighbor, hell is real. Amen. As much as we tell you about the grace of God, those who defy God, they will follow the devil to hell. Amen. So I want us to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8. In this gift, and then I'll just see how to try and wind it better. I think we took a bit more time on that when we were cruising because I want to start descending. Romans 12, 3 to 8, NIV. For by the grace given me. Okay. Again, do you see what Paul is saying? He says, By the grace given me. You also have received grace, isn't it? And actually the book of Titus, chapter 2, mommy, is it verse 11? Yeah. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared to all men, and this grace teaches us to say no to all ungodliness. 
So it means the first thing that grace does when it comes and appears in my life, it teaches me to say no to sin. That's the first part that grace does in my life. That I don't live in sin anymore. But then the other thing that grace does in my life, it gives me a special grace, a special gift. So that I can be useful in the body of Christ. So Romans chapter 12 verse 3 to 8. Look, NIV. For by the grace given me, so you also have a grace upon your life. There's something that you can do in the body. I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. It means there are other people who think of themselves more highly than they, they should. Do you know that there are people who say, ah, I will stop going to church and I will see if things will continue without me. You've had people like that, isn't it? As if the church is standing because of him or her. You will be surprised. The moment you stop going to church, hey, the church flourish. You were the stumbling block because you were working with a bitter heart. Amen. So he says, by the grace given me. I say to each one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Each one of us, there is a specific grace upon our lives. For just as each of us has one body with many members, you remember the issue of one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Tell your neighbor, I need you. You need me. We belong to each other. Verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. That is the part I wanted. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. Uh, Mr. Mungufara, our chairperson of the building committee, will give us something during announcement time. You've got a certain grace, my brother, upon your life, which I don't have. That's why I need you. But that doesn't make me inferior to him. I also have a grace. Amen. That doesn't make you inferior to me. You also have a grace. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, things from verse 40, 41, it talks about there is glory. It's talking about different glories. Then it says, there is a glory of a star, of, of the moon and the glory of the sun. And those glories are not the same. How many of you know that the glory of the sun and this, the moon are not the same? The other one is more brighter, the other one less. And it says, the glory of stars is also different. But even among stars, their glories are different. Actually, let's go. Let's go to it. I think the last time I saw it, it was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It should be around verse 40, 41. Let's go. In the King James Version. Mr. MJ, I need it in the King James Version because I need to put this so that we align it with this and then see how far I go. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Do you have it, Mr. MJ? It's verse 41, I think. 41. Yeah. Yes, I like that. 
There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. Okay. So there is a glory. So look at us here. Even as people, we've got different glories. So it says there is a glory of the sun, there is a glory of the moon, there is a glory of the stars. Uh -huh. For one star differeth from another star in glory. Hey, can we all say we are all stars? We are all stars. But we've got different glories. Amen. So I'm a star in my own corner. But I've got my glory. It's not the same with your glory. You are a star in your own corner. But your glory differs from mine. That makes us then able to appreciate each other. Amen? You're not convinced? You think you are not a star? Because you were told since you grew up, you are dunderhead. <laughs> the one who told you you are dunderhead doesn't know what they're talking about. You are a star. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm a star. <laughs> Amen. Even those people who are pulling you down, who keep on saying, they look at you in another way. <laughs> Tell them I'm a star. Amen. And when I'm a star, it doesn't take away your glory. You can also shine where you are. Brighten the corner. Brighten the corner where you are. So each one of us, we've got our corners. Amen. And brighten your corner. Now, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So we've got all these gifts. But we all contribute to the body of Christ. We all build the body of Christ. So let's begin our descent. Let's go to the book of Haggai. Um, no, let's start with where do I put it now? I'm trying to okay, let's let's follow the script. I'll see where to because I want I, I want us to prepare for landing, but we we we've got uh, it seems the expected time of of arrival will probably push it just a little bit. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16, NLT. And I want you to look at this body of Christ and the gifts that each one of us has and what each one of us contribute. Brother Rory, thank you very much for the gift that you are to the body of Christ. That young man, he comes here early every time. He collects things, make sure things are in and all that. It's like each one of you, there's something that you can be shining with. Shine. Shine. 
Can we all say shine? Shine, shine my brother, shine. Shine, my sister, shine. shine. Amen. Amen. This is how the body is supposed to operate. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. <clears throat> so he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. You see, that's the fivefold ministry. Amen. Unfortunately, these days, people give themselves titles. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. So our responsibility as servants of God is to do what? Is to equip you to do the work of God. You are laborers in God's field. But you need to be told how things are done. I told you about Different churches having different missions. And why in our church we encourage people to attend the membership class is because we want you to be aligned to your brother. We have common goals. We build together. You know how things are done in this body. So it says, to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 14. Then you will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. So when we are taught, that's why we ground you on the word of God. We give you the word so that you will be grounded. Verse 15. Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. You know what is the body of Christ? Is there? Now, if Christ is the head of this body, the church, what does he do? Verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. There should not be any disharmony in church. We need perfect fit. Fitting together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Do you know that each of you have got a special work in the body? Do your part. Each body doing its special work, it helps the other part grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. So if we, as the church of God, are well aligned, we will be effective. We'll be a blessing. We'll pray for one another. We'll care for one another. We are going to tap into each other's grace. We'll be concerned about each other. The Lord is coming back, by the way. We need to remind you that. Jesus is coming back. There are some Christians who are sleeping. You will be like those, you remember the, the ten visions. Five were wise and five were foolish. They were supposed to be waiting for the groom, all of them. But you know what happened with the five foolish ones? They missed out. So there are some who are in the body of Christ, who will miss out because they are not ready for the coming of the Lord. We need to be ready. You need to be ready for his coming. So I want us to conclude by going, looking at the physical church. I will try quickly just to put three portions of scriptures and then we're going to land. So we're beginning our descent now. Haggai chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, and then verse 7 to 8, 
So I will do two to four in the ERV and Mr. MJ, you will do seven to eight in NIV. Haggai one, two to four ERV. This is what the Lord all-powerful say. The people say it is not yet the right time to build the Lord's temple. You know, God was talking about the temple. Here he was not talking about a spiritual temple. He was talking about his church, his body, the his building. He says, these people say it's not yet time to build the Lord's temple. Again, Haggai received a message from the Lord and Haggai spoke this message. You people think that the time has come for you to live in your nice houses. You live in houses with beautiful wooden paneling on the walls. But the Lord's house is still in ruins. You see, God was concerned about his physical house. And if you look, we are blessed. We've got houses. Most of us. Amen. There's nothing wrong with us having houses. But we also need to have the house of the Lord. Now, go 7 to 8, Mr. MJ. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So he says, be concerned about my house. I want you to be concerned about my house, the spiritual house, which is the body of Christ but also about the physical house. That's why we're going to build the house of the Lord. As we are building the body of Christ, we are also building the house of the Lord. Now, look at it in Haggai chapter 2, verse 1 to 9, New King James Version. No, no, we read that one. Let's... Let's do Haggai. We're finishing with 1 Corinthians chapter 29, verse 1 to 9. We're landing with this one. And I want you to take this seriously now. <clears throat> because as much as we can build the Lord's house, what we're telling that we are all members of the body of Christ, the difference we should make in each other's lives but we can also build the Lord's house, a physical building. And each one of us, again, we've got a role to play. You've got a role to play in both buildings, the spiritual house and the physical house. And each one of us, we do according to the grace given upon us. First Chronicles 29, verse 1 to 9, we'll also use this verse for our giving. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous. How many of you have seen, so Chairperson, you will show us some of the fleshes about the nice building that we're going to build for the Lord's house. The work is enormous. Okay. For the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. I want you to look at this and compare it with Haggai. Haggai says, you are dwelling in your beautiful houses. 
And we've got houses, isn't it? But he says, but my house, I also want my house, the house of the Lord. Now here, David says, the temple that will be built will be enormous because it is not for mere mortals. I usually hear people say, it's good enough for the Lord. No, there is no such scripture. When we do something for God, let's do our best. Tell your neighbor, when you do something for God, do your best. Because here it says, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. When something is done for God, let it be distinguishable. To say this is for God. Even in my gifts, when I'm going to give something, let me do something special and say this is for God. I want to honor my king with this gift. Amen. You need to have the same attitude when you are giving your tithes, your offerings, your building fund contributions to say this is for God. This is for the Lord himself. I'm passionate about his work and I'm doing my best. Using every resource at my command, I've gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Here they were talking about physical building. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. Now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, that word, my devotion to the temple of my God, we can say because of my zeal for the Lord's work. In other words, when I'm going to give or whatever I'm going to do for the Lord is because I'm passionate about God's work. Amen. Even you coming to church regularly, it shows that you treasure the church. You treasure coming here. You treasure the work of God. Even in your giving, do it with passion. Like David here says, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I have already collected for this holy temple. <laughs> you know, I know some of you have already started giving for the building of the Lord's temple, isn't it? Some of you have started already? I've started already. But we can say, this is in addition. I still want to continue because I want to see the Lord's house being built. And those who haven't started yet, we're calling upon all of us. Let's build the Lord's house. Let's be co-workers with God in building his spiritual house, the body of Christ, but also in building his house, his temple. And each one of us do your best. The Lord knows what is your best. Amen. Now look. He says, this in addition to the building materials I've already collected for this temple, I'm donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir, 262 tons of refined silver. It's just that you see the pastor doesn't want to say what he's giving because I don't want to appear proud. But David here was saying, I'm giving this, I'm giving this. He was trying to encourage them. Amen. So, all I can tell you is that the pastor is doing his best. Do your best also. Amen. And he lists all the things that he was going to do. Verse 5. 
Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? So I'm asking you, who will follow my example and give for the building of the Lord's house? You can raise your hand if you will follow my example and give for the Lord's house. Give your tithe, your offerings, your building fund contribution for the work of the Lord. Who will follow my example? Amen. And then, look at this, verse 6. Then the family leaders, it seems like the leaders were supposed to start. The leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and the captains of the army, and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly. That is the key. You all are expected to give how? Willingly. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Give because you love God. And you want to do your best for the Lord. He says, for the construction of the temple of my God, they gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver. All the things listed, the quantities are vain. Jefferson of the building committee. Then I want to look at verse 9 and we're going to give. It says, the people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with joy. Okay. Chairperson, what are you going to share with us? How the church looks and all that. I sometimes look at that and I feel very much passionate about us building the church. That's why it's good to always look at the vision. Even when you come down, uh, you come to church now, we've started giving the board there for you. Say so coming soon. So in other words, you've got to start having this vision of where we are going. Where we are going spiritually as the church, but also building the Lord's house, building the Lord's temple. And it needs to look beautiful because it is the Lord's building. Amen. And we will rejoice, all of us, and I will also rejoice with you. So I want us to stand up, thank God for the word that we've had, and we are going to give. So you're going to thank God.